Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rash Pixel FM. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Hello, friend Nikki. Hi, friend Pete. We are talking <laughs> more about friendships today. Uh, last yes. week, we had a great conversation about uh, a little bit of uh, research and thinking about friendships and why friendships are so important in your life with ADHD. And today we have a litany of questions that have come in. And I think you've you've gone about uh, categorizing these, right? I mean, we have a, a lot of just areas of questions that that came in. Well, what's so nice is that they're uh, they're different. Like they all sort of cover different um, areas. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's really I think it's going to be really helpful. I do too. So thank you, everybody who has written in and uh, posed these questions. I hope we get to uh, as many of these as we can in our time today. But before we start, head over to TakeControlADHD.com and get to know us a little bit better. You can listen right there on the website or subscribe to our mailing list for free. And you can jump on uh, and we'll send you an email uh, every time a new episode goes live. Connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD. And if you support the show, if you've been following the show for years, please consider uh, joining us over on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash The ADHD Podcast. Uh, there you can throw us a few bucks and get access to a lot of great perks that help support this show and our ongoing development and growth. Uh, and uh, so, it, you know, it's listener-supported podcasting. We're, we're like, we're public radio podcasting, and we sure appreciate you participating in that. And if you do, you'll be able to join our recently relaunched uh, uh, Discord community. We're growing a community of folks and through uh, online conversation in between podcasts. If you're looking for a great community of folks who are super interested and invested in changing their lives with ADHD, uh, we sure appreciate you giving us a shout over there. Patreon.com. The yep, tiers are different. We've shaken up yep. the tiers a little bit. We've got some new resources, new perks. Check it out. Patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Okay. Friendships and ADHD. Yes. Part two. Part two. Part two. All right. You're gonna you're gonna read the questions oh, okay. because you have the Casey Kasem voice. Here we go. Boundaries. Number one, boundaries. A number of questions came in on boundaries. When to text? How much hanging out is too much? How do you tell someone that you need personal space? This is a big deal. We all need personal space. What is uh, me time? And how do you get more of it? Oh, dear. What do you think? Well, I think um, it's a great question. 
And I think that boundaries for a lot of people, it's difficult because um, this isn't what the question is necessarily. But what I see is, especially with friends, is, you know, maybe they say yes to too many things or, you know, they're people pleasers. So maybe they say yes to something they don't really want to do. You know, there's a lot of that going on. So I think that um, I think taking a moment to kind of figure out what your boundaries are, what do you need in a relationship, in a friendship? Um, and I don't necessarily think that you need to tell someone you need personal space because mm-hmm. that might kind of come off kind of weird. But I, I definitely think you could say, you know, nope, I can't do that tonight. I have plans. And they don't need to know that your plans are, you know, with yourself. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> I have plans with myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it's just getting a, um, an idea of what it is that you need. And if you're not sure if you're crossing someone else's boundary, um, I would say to to somehow f- try to figure it out, but it's hard, right? Because sometimes we don't read people correctly. Yeah. Sometimes we yeah. don't get the social cues that we that we need or that we think we understand. And something that I have found um, is that I have a lot of clients who go straight to thinking the worst. Their anxiety is high and they think this person hates them. Oh my gosh, oh. they must think I'm an awful person. Totally. We make up those stories and they're just generally fables. They're false, the stories yes. we make up in our heads. Yes. And I've had people tell me with absolute 100% they believe they know what this person is thinking. And I'm like, but you don't, you don't know what the other person is thinking, but we make these terrible assumptions. So we want to be really careful that we're not assuming what the other person is thinking. And so it's, you know, there's not a real like black or white answer here. I think you kind of have to trust your intuition. I mean, if somebody, I suppose if you keep texting somebody and say, Hey, let's go out. And they keep saying, no, I have plans. You know, after a couple of times, you may want to like back off and think, okay, maybe this is going to go where I want it to go or whatever. Um, I don't know. I mean, it is, it's, it's a tough thing um, because of the social stuff. It just, just reading people, it can be difficult. It is. I I also think though, you, you give it a, you know, give yourself a chance to grow into the friendship, right? I mean, you, it, it is okay to be very candid and be very clear and say, these are things I need. And as you become better friends, as you become, sorry, as you develop kind of a shared history, you won't need to ask those things anymore. You'll, you'll fall into a, a rhythm and, and there won't be too much hanging out because hanging out is a continuum. And sometimes you'll right. hang out a lot and sometimes you'll be busy and you'll hang out less. And so, you know, it, it's, um, I, I think it's okay in a healthy friendship to have the, to have the, that sort of ebb and flow, as long yeah. as you're clear up front, you know, and having asking for consent in a friendship, it's 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 OK. Like, right. is it OK that I call you after a certain time at night? Is it OK that, you know, I'm I, that we hang out, you know, spend a day together? And then is that too much? It's OK to ask those questions. So. All right. Okay. Second question. Next question. How do you make how to make friends understand overstimulation? And why you have to leave the party early. (laughs) I love this question because I absolutely deal with this personally. Okay. So what do you, how, how would you deal with this? Well, okay. So for me, I, what I feel like I have learned is 
if I'm going to a big social event, I often overestimate my impact on social occasions. Uh, say that again. I overestimate, and I think we all do this. I yeah. we overestimate our impact on social occasions, right? So right. you go to a like party and a whole bunch of people there. At you. <laughs> yes, and that they're going to care so much if you happen to leave. And likely, it, I don't want to say that no one will notice because it, you know, people will notice, and they might ask, you know, hey, where did Pete go? I, oh, he had to, he had to leave. But you know, that conversation usually ends there. Unless you're dealing with somebody who's particularly kind of gossipy and then they'll have a thing. But generally, you can sneak out and it won't be a big deal. The biggest right. deal is later when you find out, oh, my gosh. And then, I don't know, the Kool-Aid man jumped through the wall and there were so <laughs> many fantastic events that happened and you missed it. But you're OK with that because you got what you needed. You were able to sneak out. Now, if you're the guest of honor, if somebody is throwing a birthday party for you uh, or, oh, gosh, <laughs> <then> I, you leave. <laughs> oh God, I dread like surprise parties, those kinds right. of things, like because I don't like that much attention on me. Some people do. Some people thrive on it. For me, it is anathema. Uh, that That's a different story entirely. And you need help and support to get through it. And it's OK to sneak off to a coat closet for five minutes and just, you know, be and be present uh, you know, with yourself. And, you know, I, I mentioned what, what is me time? Me time is with you whenever you can, f it's always there. It's you, mm -hmm. it's right there. So if you go someplace, find a quiet corner and just close your eyes for a few minutes, you can often gather your strength for another little while. But, uh, you know, I, I just think, go back to that. We overestimate our impact on social occasions and, yeah. uh, it's, it's okay to step away. Absolutely. I agree. Well, and I think if you're, um, if you're going to the party with somebody, then I think just being honest too that, Hey, I know that I'm probably only going to be here for about an hour. So yeah. if you want to stay longer, you're either going to have to Uber at home <laughs> yeah. or, you know, but be honest too about, you know, what, what your expectations are. So you're not, um, uh, that other person isn't expecting you to be taking them home and staying as long as you are yeah. and all that stuff too. Right, but, right. Um, so the third and, question is- And thank is, God for Uber in the, in that regard, right? Uber is a yeah. saving grace. Uber I love and Lyft. Uber. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just to be able to free yourself from those kinds of obligations if you really need to get away, that's fantastic. Yeah, so. absolutely. Next question. Uh, well, so the third question I'm going to do, just because we've talked a lot about this already, but how to maintain those relationships, right? So a lot of, we did talk about that in the first, you know, part one. Um, but I do just a, a couple things to add here. I think it is a give and take from both parties because no one wants to be the one who always initiates um, outings and you don't want to be the one that never initiates them because the person who does may eventually stop if they're not getting any kind of, you know, response from you. So there is a little bit of give and take, I think, from, from both people. Um, I think as far as with relationships that, um, again, you really value, if you're going to be late, I would just say make sure you call and keep them up to date. Um, if you're going to cancel, cancel, don't just not show up. These are, these are things that I think are common, um, courtesy. It's easy to feel shame around being late or shame about not showing up that you avoid talking to the person. And I, and what I'm saying is that if you want to keep this relationship and it's really important to you, it's okay. Just let them know what's going on. Um, you're going to be late or you can't make it, but don't just not show up. 
this is a hard one because it's it's approach avoidance continuum, right? It's like which option if I'm late, if I'm like a half hour late and I haven't yeah. talked to this person and I'm, they're sitting at a restaurant, uh, which option is going to make me feel less terrible? And when you are in an emotional storm, it's really easy to fall down the avoidance oh. hole. Totally. And just think, yeah. okay, I can't, I, I can't, I'm not even going to deal with it because the ADHD has gotten better of me already. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to a different restaurant and hide, or I'm just going to go eat a gallon of ice cream or whatever. I'm going to find a way to avoid the pain immediately. And that is it. Like when you are feeling strong, you have to be able to say, I am willing to change. Like, I don't want to be that person. And I don't want to be that person so badly that when I'm faced with the approach avoidance choice, that I would rather do the thing that is hard in the short term, but ultimately will free me from feeling the shame in the medium to long term. Right, from letting right. this person down because they're just sitting there waiting for me and they don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and, and so it is hard. It's really hard. But I hear this all the time. People say, oh, my brain just doesn't work that way. I have ADHD, so I can't be relied upon to make a phone call. I was that guy. I talked about that last week. I was that guy who would not make that phone call. I would just show up late because I would go the avoidance route. Mm-hmm. And it is hard, but it is not impossible to accommodate, to make accommodations for yourself and to change if you if you feel like you could you if you feel like it's important enough to you so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there you go yeah, i feel kind I of strongly agree. about that well i do too and i think that um i think that that's where it comes into this thing you know adhd is not an excuse it's an explanation so yes your brain may not think to you know, your brain may end up wanting to go into avoidance mode, but it doesn't excuse you from being rude, you know, and keeping that person waiting like that is rude. And so I think it's making the accommodation and knowing that, like you said, like, I've got to make sure that I make an accommodation for this. It may be where my brain wants to go, but I need to face this now. There's, I would just add this, this one point, which is that when you're in that kind of storm, right, there is very little accounting for social convention. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, is, it, is, it is totally rude. I totally agree with you. And also, yeah. it's really hard to see courtesy when you're just trying to avoid pain. And and so I just I just want to say it's it's I just want to say that in terms of acknowledging how stinking hard this is is. if you if you really are struggling with this piece. And and so I I, I don't know, I I don't want to belabor that point, but I just want to throw it out there that I I get why it's so hard and why that question came in. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. Question number four. Number four. How do you navigate friendships that seem unbalanced? That's a really good question. What do you think we mean by unbalanced here? Well, I'm kind of wondering if it's that give and take a little bit, right? Um, it, it, do you feel like one person's making more of an effort than another? I don't, I don't know. That's just sort of what I'm guessing. Um, you know, the first thing that I said here was how much do you value this relationship? So if, if you feel like, 
it's uh, you're not getting what you need from it, then uh, is it worth maintaining? Is it mm-hmm. worth um, putting the effort in? Or is it worth just sort of accepting that it is what it is? Like this, this came, this happened to me where I thought this friend and I were really close. I mean, I thought we were really, really good friends. Um, but then there were a couple of things that happened that I was like, well, if she was really as good of a friend to me as I am to her, she would have stepped up and done something different. Mm -hmm. And she didn't. And so for me, it was sort of this realization is that, okay, I, we don't look at the friendship the same way. I was kind of looking at her as like this best friend, you know, I think she was looking at me as just a friend. Yeah. (laughs) And so I, I'm still friends with her, but I don't expect the same things from her as I used to. And so, um, you know, if, if, someone is sick in my family or there's a surgery or something that happens, I'm not going to be expecting her to, you know, bring me a casserole. Yeah. Right. (laughs) She's not the emergency contact for your kids. She's not the emergency contact anymore. Yeah. Yeah, Which, you know, it's all right. It happens. I I think it's even harder uh, when you recognize that you are the one who is looking at the other person as, as, you know, maybe they think I'm a better friend to them than they than I am, you know, if you reverse the roles. Right. And, and so when you realize that it's unbalanced because this other person is giving me so much of their, their life and attention and I don't have the same, that sort of reciprocal feeling. And yeah. that's, that is so hard to navigate. And that may be why uh, it's so hard to make new friends because it, yeah. the ones I have, I understand the relationship and that balance. I understand that perfectly well and, but with uh, new friends with new you're friends, learning all of that it, totally it really is it's it's messy it's messy yeah um right and so that you know I, that's how i kind of came to terms with it but i also would ask this person to to think about where it is unbalanced is it fixable i mean is this something that you just need to have a conversation about you know and communicate like what they are thinking i had this one friend who i is awesome because when we started hanging out, so we would do breakfast. Um, but I remember one of the first breakfasts, the lunch or breakfast dates we had, she told me right up front, she's like, Nikki, I adore you. You're going to be a great friend. I know we're going to be great friends, but I've got to tell you, I am terrible at keeping in touch. I'm really busy. I work. I have two kids who are like, um, they are not just athletes. They're like, yeah, uh, prodigies, premier athletes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they are in sports all the time. She's traveling all the time. And she was just really upfront about it and just said, don't take it personally oh, if huge. you don't hear from me. Yeah. You know? And so I don't. It's like we can go a couple of months and then when I see her, we catch up and we have a breakfast every once in a while and we catch up. But it's like I don't expect anything different. So that's yeah. that's what I think, too, is having that conversation. Um, and I, it's, I mentioned this before. I don't remember if it was last week or, or here, but I think some friendships do are they're seasonal. You know, I yeah. think that um, they come and go. It's 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 uh, and that's all right, too. You know, you can um, I think that just happens. It doesn't mean that anything you did made that happen it's just that that's the way contexts change yeah right right 
All right, number five. Next question. Lateness, not being the one to initiate plans, having lots of last-minute crises are all signs of a one-sided relationship, but also just side effects of ADHD. How do you use the strengths to contribute and show you value the relationship and mitigate the flaky vibe? Uh, I this, this I feel like we've sort of talked about this. For for me, it's it comes down to that just transparency, right? And, right. and being, being honest. super honest. Uh, you know, it's different than a work environment, right? A work environment, you sort of have the choice to say, "I'm going to talk about my ADHD with my manager." Right? They're they're a, they. I want them to support me. I want them to support me with, you know, the resources I need to be successful. With a friend, if you're trying to cultivate a relationship, not only will they understand you better if you are honest with them about your ADHD, the act of being honest with them says a lot about how much you value that relationship, right? Right. So there's A, they'll understand how you relate with time and attention. B, they'll understand your willingness to be vulnerable and treat that relationship uh, as as something that's worth cherishing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, and I think that this is also where you use the tools and strategies that you've learned from listening to this podcast, from going to seminars, from listening to other workshops. I mean, anything, re- books that you've read about ADHD, you know, get into your toolbox and, and figure out, you know, what are s- some things that you can do so that you can prevent some of these from getting in the way um, as often as they are not to mm-hmm. say that they're never going to go away. Cause that's just not, you know, realistic, but, um, you know, definitely pay attention to it and see, you know, what can you do if, if there is anything you can do. But I think the transparency part is definitely really important. Next question. Uh, this one, I feel like we've, this was sort of a, a basket of issues that we we may have already talked about. Let me know what you think. How do you communicate ADHD-related needs without seeming overly demanding or feeling guilty about it? As an example, I have a friend who likes to do things spontaneously. She'll call me at 8 and ask if I want to go to breakfast at 8.30. It's hard because, of course, I want to, but my life has a lot of moving pieces that I'm struggling to keep in order. I love to be spontaneous, but it throws me off balance for the rest of the day. Or when people are very late or very early for things, I get either flustered because I'm not ready or frustrated because I put a lot of work into being on time. My natural tendency is to be late, but I work very hard to be punctual. When I first read this, I just, who whoever wrote this, I just want to say kudos to you for putting so much effort into your time management. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, this is somebody who is paying attention to these areas and is working really hard to um, to to make it work for her. Um, The act that the act that she even recognizes those areas is a sign of great diligence and and practice building those muscles. It's huge. Yeah. So something to be very proud of. So no reason to feel guilty or feel like you're being demanding. I, I I would get those words out of your vocabulary right away when you're talking about this, because I don't see that um, in this at all. Um, what I see is somebody that has issues with transition. It has issues with um, having a plan and then having it go you know, it it goes fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
And so that's the, that's the issue. And I think that, um, you know, going back to, yes, some of the things that we've talked about for the friend who calls last minute, you know, being honest with her and just saying, Hey, this, this doing last minute really throws me off for the day. It, it, and so could we at least plan the day before? Let's mm-hmm. plan a day before so that that way I can really, you know, plan for my next day and not be, you know, thrown into tailspin. So you're kind of preventing that from happening. Right. Because by um, eight o'clock, I'm already well into something else. You bet. You bet. And if you've, if you've actually taken the time to make a plan for the day, you don't want to like screw that up. Like yeah. that's a big achievement. I mean, you just, you know, that's huge too. So yeah, I wouldn't, I, I would be honest about that. The people that are coming um, into your life that are coming either early or late, we can't control what other people are doing. And so what I would say is that this is where you can, you, you're going to have to practice how you deal with that frustration when it happens. And what do you do to bounce back from it to salvage the rest of your day, which Mm -hmm. is a, a, a talk that you and I did, and it will be in one of our workshops. Um, if you're a Patreon member, outstanding. So, but that is, I think the issue here is just how do you recover from that? Because that is really what's happening is something's coming in unexpected and it's like, ah, and I learned as an ADHD coach very, very early on in my career, never show up early. Yes. <laughs> never call early, never show up to anybody's house early um, because it does, it puts them into a fluster and yep. they feel bad and I don't want anybody feeling bad. So uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you, totally, <laughs> totally yeah. agree with all, all of that. It, it, and then I think that transparency and the balance in the relationship, I usually, when I'm giving a, if I'm teaching something, if I'm doing a class, a live class or something where there's an audience or something I've prepared for, I'm usually fairly pedantic about starting on time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that that is something I could, I, I need to probably work on that because I'm always doing it with a little bit of a sense of passive aggressive kind of a dig. Like if this were important to you, you would have been here on time, uh, <laughs> which is not always right, right? right Life yeah. intervenes for people and sometimes they they are as impacted as we are. And yeah. uh, and so I'm, I need to be more understanding about that. And I've been working very hard to do that uh, and, and to try to have a plan B for, you know, if I have to start late, do I have, what can I cut from my, you know, meetings or presentations that would keep us on or get us back on schedule. So um, just a little something to add. So we're going full circle here, right? Because if you look at part one, when we did the last week, we uh, started the show about and you asked the question and there was um, some, uh, what am I talking about? Not feedback. Um, There was an update about somebody. Yeah, there was a follow up with the um, support group. And then you asked the question, how many people do you find, you know, don't believe in ADHD or they have these support systems that don't believe in ADHD? And and so we started it with that. And then what are we going to end with? Last question. How do you handle other ADHD friends who claim they've, quote, outgrown distractibility and hyperactivity? They've outgrown their ADHD. So hmm. if we if we were emojis, we would be the emoji with the little um, hand on our chin. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, Pete? Right? I've got to tell you, with all due respect to these folks who say that they have outgrown distractibility and hyperactivity, I 
I would have to see some more detail about their specific circumstances, because generally I find that claim dubious. You outgrow a shirt, right? right. You, you outgrow uh, your, your pants. You outgrow your <laughs> shoes. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could, your family could outgrow your house, right? Yeah, you, you, sure. you outgrow those things. Yeah. You don't outgrow ADHD. In my experience, I've, I, I've never met anybody who's outgrown your ADHD. What you, what you do is you mitigate your ADHD. You accommodate your ADHD right. characteristics, right? You change your life in such a way that ADHD doesn't have a significant, as significant an impact on those areas that were impacting you previously. Mm -hmm. And I feel like after doing this for 20 years, I have mitigated a lot of my own ADHD characteristics, but they're always here. They're mm -hmm. always here. I never forget. Mm -hmm. Hashtag never forget, never uh, forget. that, that <laughs> I, I live with this as a buddy right. on my shoulder, like always doing this. You, I just, so I have a really hard time with that statement. Now, I toss it back to you. How do you deal with, uh, with the folks who say that they've outgrown it? What do you think? Am I coming down too hard on that? Oh, no. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I think that um, exactly what you said. I think that they probably have come to a point where they can, you know, they're coping with it. They're not, they're navigating their life smoothly. Um, however, when a different event comes, it could come right back at you. I mean, you know, right? Because it's yeah. also events. I mean, transitions and um, these things that happen to, to us as we live, your ADHD is going to look different as you're going through those those um, situations. So, I, you know, for me, it's kind of like, okay, my first instinct was that, you know, hey, that's great. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> But I wouldn't get into a heated debate or de debate. I wouldn't get into a heated debate. I don't think it's worth it. Now, that's yeah. me personally. It's not worth my energy to try to convince this person that they've outgrown this. And they, they likely they believe it deeply, yeah, right? They likely have convinced right. themselves. But, but it, it probably uh, stems from a certain sort of self-judgment, right? And self-doubt yeah. that, you know, uh, about their ADHD. And you don't want to step into that, that, you know, hornet's nest. I mean, it's just, no. it, it, you're not, that's not your role. No. Um, no. So, yeah. So that's what I would say is don't don't waste your energy. Great. So happy for you that you've you know, you're at where you're at. You know, your truth. You know what matters. Um, yeah. You know, Boy, that's great for you. For you. I yeah. sure haven't. Yeah. That's great or, for you. I'm still struggling in these areas. And here's what you need to know. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I. I yeah, exactly. I, I just uh, it makes me cringe, too, because it, 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 there is that sense of they don't believe it or people think that they outgrow it. And I just, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Have you ever met anybody in your travels that has outgrown their ADHD? No. In fact, when I talk to people, especially when they were diagnosed later in life, you know, they, they can look back and they see how it showed up in their life at yeah. different periods of time. It's just that they coped with it different and um, they didn't know that that's what they were coping. They yeah. didn't know that that's what they were accommodating. Um, and then when they get the diagnosis as hard as it is to, to maybe accept, it also makes sense to them. And so the pieces start to, to come together. And then as their coach, it's about trying to figure out what to do with this and, 
and how to live a happy and fulfilling life without it always, you know, being a challenge. And I, I guess that my first reaction when you said to, to, you know, well, that's great that this is good for you, but it's still a challenge for me. I would almost, you know, flip that too and say, it's gr- great. Good for you. I, you know, it's still something that I deal with, but Hey, I'm also doing a great job dealing with it as well. But yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly what to say, but it, uh, you know, that is, uh, I, I think that's a great question. And I, I hope that's just, it, it, we don't really have an answer, but we certainly have, potentially a new way to think about it and to approach that question and just to stay in your own truth. So that's it. Those are the questions we have for today. So thank you everybody for writing in. Uh, if we bundled your questions, uh, if we there was anything that was unclear, please let us know in the chat or jump over to Discord. And you can at mention <laughs> us there and we will continue the conversation. Thank you so much, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. We appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control the ADHD podcast.